Hello, and welcome to the very first episode of Professional Book Girl. My name is Kayla, also known on Instagram as Karen Watt, and I am your professional book girl for the next hour or so. So that is just a phrase that I made up to kind of explain the way that I read and consume and talk about books. I have read 213 books already this year, and my goal and the fact that I read so many books, I might as well do some good with it and pay it forward. And I now love to recommend the best books to you, and that is what we are going to be doing on this podcast. So you can expect three spoiler-free book reviews every single Monday from me. Some weeks will have themes. Some weeks, like this episode, it'll be listener's choice. You can request which books you want me to hear me talk about. We'll be talking pop culture. We'll be laughing. It's going to be fun. So let's just jump right into the opening segment of this show. It's called What I'm Obsessed With This Week. And this week, it's going to be a little bit different. So on an, on any other episode, it could be I'm Obsessed With Karma is the Guy in the Chiefs, or I'm Obsessed With Southern Charm and I need to talk to somebody about it, or I have five shows on Bravo right now and like let's quickly run down who my favorite people are. But this week, I am obsessed with Professional Book Girl, this show that you are listening to. And I thought this would be a great chance for me to kind of introduce myself, share my reading journey, share my social media reading journey with you guys. Some of you may be familiar with it already. For some of you, this may be the first time you're introduced to me. If so, hello. I'm so happy you're here. Happy everyone's here, obviously. Um, And yeah, I'm just going to share my story. So Like I said, I am known kind of on Instagram and TikTok as my handle is kredwatt. But before that, I was a huge reader. I always loved reading growing up. For me, it has always been the perfect escape. I've had a tumultuous life. I've gone through shit that is unbelievable when I tell people things that I've gone through. And reading has always been the one thing that's able to suck me out of my head and my anxiety and depression and pull me into another world literally and help me escape for a bit. And now I say that reading is my biggest form of self-care, which it is. And that is why I make it a priority to read every single day. That is the best thing I can do for my mental health. And fortunately, so many positive, cool things have blossomed from that like this. So like I said, I grew up a really big reader. One of my earliest memories is being in fourth grade and a substitute teacher. His name was Mr. G. I had, um, all American Girl by Meg Cabot in my desk. And this was when the first year that we didn't have tables. We had like a desk where you could put things inside of. And I just, I was obsessed with that. Like it just felt like being in Britney Spears' Baby One More Time music video, having a cool desk like that. And I was obsessed with this book, All American Girl by Meg Cabot. It's about a girl who falls in love with the president's son. I know she like gets hit by a car or something. And then like Secret Service and the son is involved and they obviously fall in love. And it's a big book. Like now that I know more about books, I'm pretty sure I had like a mask market paperback version so like it looked like a brick but for a fourth grader it was a really big read and I'm my mom or my grandma bought it for me I don't know if I should have been reading it as a nine-year-old but I was and I loved it and it felt like such an accomplishment to me that I was reading it and I would bring it to school with me because I thought I was like so cool reading that giant book and I had a teacher say to me you'll never finish reading that book and Maybe in some weird way, all of this is kind of like a fuck you to that teacher because look at me now. And guess what? I did finish that book. And I'm pretty sure there was a sequel that I also read and loved. So that kind of just gives you an idea of like this type of child that I was. I obviously went through a huge Twilight phase like everybody did in high school. My friends and I would read the same books. We were obsessed with the private series. And then we would go to half apps at Applebee's and just sit and freak out about the books. The only time I ever got in trouble for being on my phone in school was because I was reading on my phone. So really not making myself sound cool here, but that is kind of my journey I've always had with 
books. My grandma was a huge reader. And at the end of her life, we were sharing book recommendations and reading the same books, which was really cool. But she was always taking me to Borders, RIP Borders, and I guess RIP Grandma. Um, And she really just fueled that love of reading that I have. My mom was always big on pushing me and my siblings to read. My brother and sister are also big readers. So grew up kind of just being surrounded by books and people encouraging me to read, which was really cool. And then I think like most people, I stopped reading when I got to college because I was honestly too busy partying. Um, And every like winter break, I would like go down deep dives and like literally stay up all night until the sun came up reading a book. I was getting sucked into all of those dystopian series back then, but I wasn't reading during the school year, which I know is like a common thing that happens to a lot of people. When my brother was graduating college, actually, he was like, I'm so excited that now I'll have time to read for fun. Um, Also just says a lot about my family, (laughs) that phrase, but I think it's something a lot of people feel. So my senior year of college, I was going away for spring break, not what you might imagine. I was going to Florida to see my family who lived there. And then my sister and I like did that and then met up with my dad and his fiance and her family to go to Disney. Irrelevant, but that's what I was doing, if you were wondering. And on the plane ride, I was like, I'm going to read. I hadn't read in so long. So I read, I think, oh my God, I want to say it's called Lady Jane or something. It's honestly, it is so funny that that's what I was reading because it's about Lady Jane Grey, who is Queen of England for nine days, very tragic figure. If you want to go Google her and you guys, I'm the self-proclaimed historical fiction queen. So we will be talking about Tudor history at some point on this podcast. So it just makes me so happy. But it's like, it's told in a really interesting way. It was my first introduction to her and I was like sucked in. I was reading again. And then when I got back to school, it was the end of senior year. I was kind of wrapping up all of my projects. I worked at Topshop all through college. I went to FIT. So I was in Manhattan during college as well, but I stopped, I wasn't working the last two months of my senior year. So I also had time to read then too. And that is when I just fell back into it. And then when I graduated college, um, I was commuting two hours each way to New York City from Long Island, where I am from, to go to work. And I had nothing but free time on these train rides. I did not read on the train ride in the morning. I would literally go back to sleep. I wouldn't put my contacts in until I got to Penn Station because I needed that extra hour and a half. But on the train rides home, I would read. And I started looking forward, obviously, like I was looking forward to going home from work. But I would be sitting at my desk like, I cannot wait to get on the train and keep reading this book. And then I would be so sucked into the books. And then I would be like, not watching TV shows, not doing anything when I got home from work that night, except for reading. And that's fully how I got sucked back into how I read so much. Then bookstagram happened for me. So I don't really remember how I discovered it. I know I was sharing book reviews on my personal Instagram story. And some of my friends were interested in it. I know like family members were, but like, I don't have a following there. And I was like, and then I somehow, I guess, because I was posting them, the algorithm started feeding me these bookstagram pages. And that's when I discovered what bookstagram is. I didn't even know that it existed. So I was following some bookstagram pages and I kind of just had this idea in the back of my head that I could do it. I do social media professionally. So I know how to run an Instagram page. And I was extremely depressed then. So this is five years ago now. My bookstagram, Karen, what is five years old, which is really crazy and hard to believe. But that summer, I was just questioning my whole life. I was kind of having that quarter life crisis you have when you've been working for a year or two after college. Like, what the heck am I doing with my whole life? And reading was the only thing that was making me happy. So I was like, do you know what? I want to fully dive into this world and like spend more time in it and commit to it because that's 
to me, the magic of bookstagram, that you're reading a book, but then you're connecting with people about these books. You're getting recommendations from people who care about books in the same way that you do. And that you do. And honestly, that's what I hope you guys get from this podcast that I love books and freaking out over them. And I want to share that joy and excitement with you guys because I think it's worthy. Um, So anyway, I was super depressed. And I was sitting on my couch uh, in the living room of the house that I grew up in. And I just made K Redwood. And I texted a few of my friends and I was like, hey, follow this page. And I already had so many photos of books on my feed because that's what I do. I always took pictures the way that I do. You, If you follow my Instagram, you know I'm always documenting my life. So I posted a few reviews. And honestly, the rest is history. I It's five years later. I still have K Redwood. It has evolved and grown in so many ways beyond my wildest dreams. I have met friends in other countries. Shout out Sam in London and Alex in Scotland. I went on a big UK trip, which I'm sure will come up on the podcast a lot. And I met up with Bookstagram friends, which I just never imagined. And it was like we knew each other forever. So I love Bookstagram. It will always be a special part of my life, but the podcast is books adjacent, but it is something new. So some of you might know my voice from my old podcast books in the city, which I co-hosted with three friends. We were all, it was four millennial New Yorkers giving spoiler free book reviews and podcasting kind of ignited this passion in me to talk about books in this way that I didn't realize because honestly like I don't love writing book reviews for K Red What it sometimes feels like homework but getting to just like pick up a microphone and talk about them is so exciting to me and I felt like I was connecting with you guys on such a deeper level about these books because you could literally hear the excitement in my voice and just hearing it is I think different than reading it when it comes to something like a book that I'm obsessed with so when that unfortunately ended, I knew my podcast journey was not over because I, like in the few months of me not being on the air, I have missed this so much. I have missed getting messages from you guys being like, I picked this up because you spoke about it and I'm obsessed with it. And this is my new favorite book and et cetera, et cetera. So I hope that this show can be a place where you can come and list like, look, being obsessed with books and reading them the way that I do. Maybe some people think that that's nerdy to me. I think it's really fucking cool. And I hope that this podcast makes you feel like that too. And it ignites your love of reading. If you're a new reader, I hope you're picking up things that you never would have imagined. I want to try to give you guys a bit of each episode I want to do kind of a bit uh like a nice variety of books I I pick up books that you guys recommend to me that I never would have thought I would have loved and I hope that I can do the same for you on this podcast that is truly my goal I want people to read for fun I say to people in real life all the time there's absolutely nothing wrong with reading for fun it's my favorite form of entertainment and I always say it's like better than a show because you don't have to wait a whole season to find out what happens like you can just read it like quicker than the show airs but yeah that is me um I hope that answered everything I don't know so before we move on to the main event of this episode I just need to do a little housekeeping please make sure you are subscribed to professional book girl wherever you listen to podcasts follow me on Instagram at professional book girl. There will be exclusive content there behind the scenes of the pod things there that will not be going on K red what and make sure you're also following K red what if you like this pod and if you like me, you will get like my whole life on K red what and please leave a rating and review. It makes me so happy and I want this show to be what you guys want to hear. So the reviews are really important to me. Please slide in the DMs, email me at professional at gmail.com. Let me know what you like. Let me know what you want to hear. And yeah, I think it's time to talk about books.
Okay, so the main segment of the show is obviously the book segment. So each week I will be doing three spoiler-free book reviews. I heard the people in my Instagram Q&A and we want some spoiler episodes. So that's something I'm working into the calendar. I do have the rest of the year mapped out. I just want to run through that really quickly because I think it is exciting. So once a month, there will be a listener's choice episode, which is what you're listening to today. So I put up a question box on the Professional Book Girl Instagram and also um, a feed post saying to leave book requests in the comments. So keep an eye out for those once a month. I'll probably be prefacing it on the podcast so you know when to look for it. I want to talk about the books that you guys want to hear about. And I think that is a really fun thing to do once a month. And you will hear that today. But next week will be a regular episode. And then for the rest of the year, we are transitioning into my top books of 2023. This is an idea that I had when I decided I wanted to do this show. So I knew I needed to launch in time to have some regular episodes out before we get into this. So for the month of December, I will be counting down my top 15 books of 2023. It'll be over three episodes. So you'll be getting five books an episode that time. Some of the books you guys requested for this episode will be featured there. So if you were looking for, say, Magnolia Parks, do not worry, that will be getting its airtime in December when we're counting down my top books of the year. I am so excited for that. It's it's gonna, it's just, it's going to be so much fun. Um, but then also, after we do that and we're in 2024, each week will have a theme. And I want to know the themes that you guys want to hear. So is it a genre-specific episode? Is it books with a certain feeling? Books I didn't think I would like, random things like that. Like I said, slide in the DMs, email me at professionalbookgirlpod at gmail.com and let me know what themes you want to hear because this whole thing is for you guys. And if I'm not talking about what you want to hear, there's no point. So we actually, though, are going to be talking about one of my top books of the year, but this came highly requested. And when I read this book, I was a little mad I didn't have a podcast to talk about it on. So the first book of the first episode of Professional Book Girl Pod is Midnight is the Darkest Hour by Ashley Winstead. Okay, those of you who pay attention to what I'm reading already know this. Ashley is one of my favorite authors. I realize that I have given all of her books five stars. That is a title that I think only she holds. She writes the most insane thrillers, like The Last Housewife. Are you kidding? The book I'm about to talk about. Are you kidding? But she also writes some of my favorite favorite romance books so check out fool me once and the boyfriend candidate on top of her thriller she is just so talented i've gotten to interview her in the past before um she doesn't know this but i'm hoping she will come on this show and chat with me about books i just want to like look inside her brain it is so fascinating to me someone who can write some of the darkest twistiest thrillers i have ever read and then also write romance that has me like smiling and crying and like kicking my feet because I'm so happy as I'm reading it like get you a girl could do who can do both that is Ashley Winstead so Midnight is the Darkest Hour is her latest thriller it came out this October I know this was a bookstagram darling we were all counting down for it I was I could not wait to read this book I was kind of waiting until it got like spookier I think I read it on like the first day of fall and it was raining in New York so my room was like very dark and I had a copy of it on my Kindle so I had like kind of all the lights off and it was like moody atmosphere and it just like really got me in the mood so in one sentence this is a southern gothic religious trauma cultish horror vampire extravaganza i mean if that just doesn't scream a book that kayla will be obsessed with i don't know what else will does and i do need to say i I said vampire this book is for the twilight girls the girls who 
me, basically, who were obsessed with Twilight, obsessed with Edward, wanted that as a 14-year-old, and then grew up to love thrillers and these twisty, murdery books. Ashley wrote this literally for us. So the main girl is Ruth. I'm going to talk about her more, obviously, but there is, in the beginning of the book, she it literally says, and then I found Twilight and it changed, it changed the trajectory of her life. And it changes the trajectory of this book. And that you don't have to be like a Twilight fan to like this book. But I think, I think everyone knows like the impact Twilight had on the culture and the bookish community and like the genre of girl that I fall into. And knowing that makes this so much more exciting and a really fun read. And it's a really fun twist on what was already a great thriller. So thank you, Ashley, for that. It was like, I've never read a book as an adult that reminded me of Twilight the way that this one did um, in the best way possible. Also, and if you hated Twilight, you'll still like this because it's not like Twilight. It's not like a Twilight fanfic or anything. It's just not Fifty Shades of Crime. So our main girl is Ruth. And like I said, Twilight changed her life. I mean, we can all relate. But she lives in this very small town in Louisiana where her dad is the pastor of this church that really rules the community. So the community is basically centered around this church. And we know that it was like he moved to the town when he was very young. I'm going off script now. No, no, it's just vibes, by the way. So I'm pulling through my memory from when I read this book two months ago. But he really built up the congregation and people moved to this town in Louisiana. I think it's called Bottom Springs to be a part of his church. And it is extremely, extremely culty. Um, like I said, religious trauma is a very important plot point in this book. And I just want to acknowledge this time I have never been an extremely religious person so I didn't I didn't understand that part of the book I think it's kind of interesting and entertaining in a way but if you are someone who does have some religious trauma then just know that going into this book you might have some unpleasant memories coming up but her so he like runs the town and like he's best friends with like all the guys in charge and she's an only child and she's kind of like the prodigal daughter and everyone in town knows her as like, like she is the pastor's daughter. It's her whole thing, but she is different from her family. And like I said, she, Twilight changed her life, but for her, it was a banned book. And this was also something I couldn't relate to. So she works in a library and she, the library was her escape as a teenager. She never was as into the church as her parents were. She didn't like being a figurehead at the church and she found Twilight had somehow got got into this library it wasn't supposed to and she hid away and it completely opened her mind up to a whole new world which like when I read Twilight it opened my mind up to a whole new world but for Ruth it was also like the a normal world like a world that Bella lives in before the vampires come where it's like you don't have this omnipresent kind of religious factor in your life so she it also though taught her about romance and after she read Bella and Edward's love story she became so obsessed with finding romance and finding her true love and it really like I mean this in such a serious way Twilight changed the course of Ruth's life so the book opens up and we're in the small town in Louisiana and a skull has just been found in it's like the swamp I guess I'm like not good at geography. So sorry to everyone from Louisiana. I wanted to say lake, but I don't think it's a lake, but a skull has been found. So obviously the town is like freaking out, but in like a normal town, you would be like, oh, there's a serial killer. No, in this town, they think it's this like 
mythical vampire creature that is like folklore of the town and has come and is like killing people in town. So they're freaking out. And Ruth is freaking out, though, for a very different reason, because now she is worried that a huge, huge secret from her past is going to come to light and her and her best friend ever are going to be in trouble. So let's talk about ever. Where do I begin? So Ever also was a was an outcast in this town. He was from a very poor family. His mom passed away when he was born. His dad is an alcoholic and they were kind of seen by the town as kind of like trashy and his dad was always in bar fights and Ever was having to go in to break his dad out. It's extremely sad for Ever and because of living with an abusive dad like that, but also the way that the town treated him, like they blamed him for his dad's mistakes and his dad's fuck ups. And as Mrs. Potts says in the live action Beauty and the Beast, like you can't blame someone for their, I'm like totally messing up that quote that I always say, but like you can't blame someone for their father. So this town does though. So like they suck. So Ever, though, is he has this, like, reputation as being this bad boy in town. Everyone stays away from him really just because of who his family is, which, like I said, is very sad. But he is really sweet and he likes to read and, like, I think he was into poetry and, like, he's just not what you would have assumed. So an event happens when Ruth and Ever are teenagers and Ever kind of saves her and then they become absolute best friends in the world and now as adults he only comes to visit i think it's once a year so the skull is found and ever's in town and then everything unravels and the two go on this mission to unravel the truth and the root of corruption in this small town and like i said before like her dad is very involved the church is very involved so that all comes into play with this um the twilight thing it it goes throughout the ending of this book really the last like 20%. It's like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. Like insane things are happening. And then like literally the last paragraph, I reread it five times because I, my brain wasn't believing what I was reading. It is insane. I will never get over it. Like you just read it for the ending. Like, oh my God. And I can't, I don't want to spoil anything, but I'm just picturing what happened. And it is so crazy. It was so good. I gave this book five stars. I could not put it down. I read it in a night. I was obsessed with it. I'm still obsessed with it. I can't even imagine what Ashley has up her sleeves for us next because each book just gets wilder and wilder. And we are so, so freaking lucky to have her. I loved it so much. That is Midnight is the Darkest Hour by Ashley Winstead. All right, switching gears completely for the second book. This is The Secret Book of Flora Lee by Patty Calleran. Callahan Henry, and this is a historical fiction book. So I read this back in May when I was at a really low mental health point, and it brought me so much joy. And that is just the magic of books working for you. Hazel and her little sister Flora were part of the Pied Piper scheme during World War II. So if you don't know what this is, this was when it was 1939 and the war had just started, and London politicians were really worried that they were going to be bombed, which we know. the blitz happened. London was heavily bombed by the Germans, but they wanted to save the children. So kids were shipped to the countryside from London to live with families. If you read or watch Narnia, that is literally what happened to those kids. Um, also, this is the second book that I read this year that the Pied Piper scheme comes into play. And it was just those two, but I think this is such an interesting 
point in history of World War II history, and I was excited to see it come up in historical fiction. And I think that this book portrayed it in a really, really cool and interesting way. So on paper, it seemed like a really good idea. Like, oh, wait, I'm lying. I just remembered a third book. So it's this one, The Lost English Girl and The Lost Lifeboat. I'll deal with the Pied Piper scheme in different ways. This one handles it in my favorite way. So that's just the way that my brain works. By the way, you guys are going to realize that. It's paper. The Pied Piper scheme was a good idea. Like we know we're going to be heavily bombed. These kids are vulnerable. They are so young. They shouldn't be traumatized by running into like fallout shelters or people would run into the tube stations and hide under there. So let's send them off to safety. But when you really think about it, you are ripping these parents away from these children away from their parents. They are so young. The world is literally at war. It is World War II. There's no social media or cell phones like we have today. So they have to write letters, really, that, because that's all they can rely on. Um, they're scared about their, most likely their mom is in London alone that's being bombed and their dad is off fighting the Nazis and they're living with strangers. So I can't imagine what that felt like. But it, it happens. And they do talk about in this book, I don't know the fairy tale of the Pied Piper, but it's a fairy tale. So I'm assuming there's a dark side of it. And Hazel, the main character in this book, does kind of reference that when she's talking about what the scheme was like. But anyway, back to the book. Hazel and Flora are, there's a pretty big age gap and Hazel really looks after Flora and they are sent to Oxford. And I read this a month after my UK trip. I told you guys it was going to, this trip was going to be a theme on this whole podcast. I guess I should just explain if you're confused. I spent a month in the UK on my absolute dream, dream trip. I was based in London, traveled all around. I need to move there. I just feel so at home and connected to the UK. I, I love it. Anyway. I had just been in Oxford though, so it was cool to read that. They are sent to Oxford to live with a woman named Bertie and her young son. And Bertie is a single mother. She's kind of in, seen as an outcast in society, but because she lives in Oxford in such like an in intellectual community, it's kind of more, a bit more accepted that she's, you know, a single woman raising her son. She works, like she doesn't really care about having a husband. So they go to live there and Bertie, by all accounts, like is just, an amazing woman, an amazing mom, and she makes them feel really welcome in a an extremely scary situation. She becomes friends with their mom. Their mom comes to visit them. It's all going great. Hazel and the son become best friends, like wink, wink, maybe some teenage crushes happening there. But then one day, Flora goes missing and is never found. So years and years and decades go by and Flora has never been found. The assumption is that she fell into the River Thames. I'm pretty sure it was the river. Um, does it run that far up England? Like I said, not good at geography. But the assumption is that she died and Hazel has always blamed herself and never gotten over it. And because of that, she went back to London, she, like she was done living in Oxford. She never saw Bertie or the son again. And it's just like a really, obviously it's tragic. Her younger sister's assumed dead, but the chapter of her life with Bertie and the son was like a really happy one. And it had just a brutal ending and then they're completely cut out of their lives. So now it's like decades later, I think it's the fifties or the sixties. It's probably the fifties because Hazel wasn't old. Um, also not good at math, but Hazel works in a bookstore and it's a rare bookstore. I'm pretty sure. And one day this manuscript comes in from America and it's like prefaced by this is a hot new book in America, a children's book. 
And she opens it though. And it is the story of Whisperwood and Hazel's whole world stops because it is her story. So back when they were in Oxford and like a little bit before that, Hazel would tell her sister Flora the story of Whisperwood. And it was a story she made up as they were living their lives in Oxford as kind of a coping mechanism for both of them, a world for them to feel hopeful, full of magic. And they would kind of pretend that they were in Whisperwood when they were in Oxford. And Hazel has never told anybody else that story except for her sister, Flora. So now she is convinced that Flora is alive and somehow has been living in America and has written this like famous in America children's book, which now has obviously made its way across the pond. So her whole world stops now and she like she was supposed to start a new job, I think at Sotheby's. She does not start that job. She is now tracking down this author and she is finally solving the mystery of what happened to her sister, Flora. So she, it ends up, she returns to Oxford. She's meeting with all these people she knew as a child, kind of learning events that happened um, following Flora's disappearance that she didn't realize because she was so young. And that is the journey. And I, look, the mystery, it's like, this is such a good example. If if you want to start historical fiction with a mystery element, this is the perfect book because I couldn't stop turning the pages because I wanted to know what happened to Flora. You get some chapters from the perspective of the author of this book and you really are like, is this Flora? Like what the heck is going on? The devastation that Hazel feels and the guilt that she feels and the blame she places on herself is just so sad and so raw and real. And you just want the story to end happily. There are twists on twists on twists. I did not see the ending of this coming. And really, this is a book for book lovers. I don't know the exact quote, but I know that I took a picture of a quote from this book and posted it in my story because obviously Hazel loves stories and books and she the way that she talks about them and really the way that the author writes about the magic of stories and the magic of books. It is something I believe in so wholeheartedly. It is the magic of books is like my favorite magic in this world. And it comes across in the pages of this book. This is really a book for book lovers. I loved it so, so much. This is a good intro to historical fiction. I gave it four stars. Cannot recommend it enough. It is The Secret Book of Flora Lee by Patty Callahan Henry. The final book is Things We Never Got Over by Lucy Score. Although I am going to kind of be talking about the whole series. So this is known as the Knock em Out series. I think that's how you say it. Um, which is the town name, which is like a little crazy. But this is an example of a book I thought that I would hate and that I put off reading for so long. And this is my own bias working against me and something I say a lot on my Instagram and I don't know how to fully explain how I mean. It's more of like you understand it if you understand me and like the way that I speak. But there are good dumb books and bad dumb books. And this to me is a good dumb book. And what I mean by that is like, it's not high stakes. It's not going to win any writing awards, but you just can't help but love it. Like when you think of like the way, I guess it's like the way people would explain like Bravo or like reality TV. Like this is not groundbreaking, world changing work, but it's so enjoyable and you can't help but to love it. And that is how I felt specifically about the first book, Things We Never Got Over. So I would like to apologize to um, the world and Lucy Score, I guess. And you know what? I freaking do this all the time and I just have to stop judging books before I actually give them a shot. But yeah, you know what? 
it's who I am, I guess. So the series centers around this town, Knock 'em Out. It's in Northern Virginia. Um, and like they explain, this is what I mean by it being kind of dumb. They explain that it got its name because they settle disputes in this town by like fighting and not like instead of like going to court or something. And I mean like fist fighting. So that's how they, the town got its name. So see what I mean there? But you know what? I freaking love this town and I would move there now. So joke's on me. Like I said, the series is centered around three guys. They all have their own book. So in the first book, the guy is Knox and he is a bad boy, like tattooed up, wears like motorcycle boots and all black. And he won the lottery again with the dumb thing. Um, he owns a barber shop and a bar and he's like grumpy and like the town bad boy. The second guy is Nash, and he is Knox's brother, and he is the chief of police. And I like pictured him as like Captain America, and he's like a good guy and gets riled up about the same things his brother does, but he tries to go about it in like the proper way rather than Knox, where he's like knocking people out, hence the name of the town. And then the third guy is their best friend, Lucian, who is my favorite, and he is the darkest one, and he's like criminal. Um, there's hints that he is a big figure in DC and is kind of putting politicians in and out of power and has his hand in like the criminal underworld. And I literally started reading this whole series because I wanted to get to his book because he falls in love with a librarian. And I was just like, oh my God, like hot criminal guy and the librarian. I need to read that. But the first book was my favorite. So jokes on me again with this series, just completely destroying everything that I assumed would happen. So the first book, that's the one that I'm I'm going to like give you guys like my spiel for, and then I'll just kind of tell you what I think I think about the second two. I'm halfway done with the third one at the time of this recording. So in the first book, our main girl is Naomi, and she it you know what? It's not clear where she lived before moving to this town, but she says she has a house on Long Island. So I'm assuming it's like New York area. Also, props to this author for saying on Long Island. It is not in Long Island. It is on Long Island. And now all of you listening can say that the proper way for the rest of your lives forever. So she ran away from her wedding and we find out why and shows up and knock him out. And we find out that it is because she has an evil twin sister. So once again, with the kind of dumb thing who called her and basically was like, I need you. And Naomi came and she gets to town and she like goes into a coffee shop and she's like, I haven't slept and she's obsessed with caffeine and Knox comes in and is like literally like dragging her out of there. Like they get into this huge fight and she's like, I'm not Tina, I'm Naomi. And then you learn that like the whole town hates Tina, the evil twin sister. And Naomi is her Knox get off on like the worst foot and he like brings her over to her motel where she is staying, where they find an 11 year old sitting there. So basically, Tina called Naomi because she wanted to leave her daughter with her that Naomi didn't even know existed. And then we follow Naomi and the daughter, Waylay, as they kind of get to know each other, form new positive lives in this town. And obviously, Naomi and Knox fall in love. This one is my favorite because. I'm such a sucker for the good girl, bad guy trope, which does play out in the third one, but like not as prominently as it is in this one. This one of the three feels more romance specific to me. So in this book, they obviously, like I said, it's romance and like 
it's fun. The romance part is very fun. But there's this kind of like subtle undertone being under under subplot, that is the word, a subtle subplot being introduced where people are after main characters in this series. I don't want to spoil it. But the second book really, really why I didn't like it as much was that it was not really about the romance. It was about this subplot and I just was not interested in it. And then the third book so the subplot from the first book becomes the plot of the second book and then it goes back to being a bit of a subplot in the third book if do you follow me um it's confusing but that's why i didn't really like the second book and i also the second book is about nash who i didn't really like in the first book not for reasons that people might think but i didn't like him because he was boring and then i just was not into the plot at all and also these books are so so long they all come in at like just under 600 pages so in the first one when we were getting so much good romance stuff i was like so into it but in the second one i was like all right enough the third one though i'm all over the place i hope someone is following me the third one is lucian's book and i'm really liking that one because there's flashback chapters so also a thing with this series they're all a bit older like they're all in their 40s which obviously there's nothing wrong with but just picking up a romance book you assume they're kind of like late 20s early 30s this was is the first one to my recollection that i've read where they're in their 40s so in this third book which is lucian's book and he falls in love with the librarian they have like a history you know throughout the whole series that something really bad happened in their past which is the reason why they've never gotten together and it's cool because there are flashback chapters where you kind of see them become friends and you find out what happens and that was something i didn't expect and that i really like and it does add a layer like i said i'm halfway through that third book i am enjoying it but so far not as much as i enjoyed the first one but back to things we never got over the first book my favorite one um, something I really loved about this book was Waylay, who is the niece. She's 11 and she grew up with a mom the whole town hates and she just really had a rough go of it. And you see Naomi come into her life and kind of implement structure and like discipline and love and like a safe place for her. And then Knox joins that and it was really sweet. And it obviously made me like, I was already attracted to Knox, but like it made me more attracted to him reading about how he cares for Waylay and wants to provide stability for her, even if him and Naomi are kind of on the outs. But yeah, I I really loved it. And I am glad that I picked this series up, even if the first one ends up being my favorite and I only decided to pick the series up because I wanted to read the third one. I'm glad that I read it. Like I said, though, they are pretty long. So I don't know if I would really recommend these as like an intro to romance. I think there are better romance books that you can pick up. But if you're looking for something kind of low stakes, like fun to read, although it, they, it does deal with heavier plot points in the third book, um, Domestic Abuse is a pretty heavily featured plot point. Um, but they're kind of just like if you need a little escape and you just want to like read about some fun, cringy romance with heart and like real life events in it, I I would recommend these. Um, yeah, the first one though definitely is my favorite and I want to know what you guys think. So DM me or comment on the episode Instagram post and let me know what your thoughts. And I gave things we never got over four stars and that was the knock em out series by Lucy score. Okay. That is our show. Thank you for listening or watching wherever you are consuming this podcast. 
I hope you enjoyed it. I cannot wait to do this every single week. It is just such a joy and a privilege to get to do that. Please make sure you are following wherever, following or subscribe wherever it is that you listen to your podcast. Follow on Instagram at Professional Book Girl and follow me at KredWhat. Send me your feedback, leave a rating and review, request books for the listener request episodes, request themes for normal episodes. This show is going to be so much fun and we are just getting started.